0: Welcome back to Police Pod Talk, and once again, I have someone on the line that we would like to say thank you to because they're one of the essential workers who've been out on the front line doing the tough job that we really don't want to do. Today, we've got Madison, and she is an EMT out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Madison, you can say hey to the people out there. Hi. Okay. And we've got to talk fast to Madison because she's got to get to bed. She's a third shift worker and uh, she's been out there working 12 hour shifts and uh, doing the things, like I said, that we really don't want to do, but we are so happy that she is doing those things. Madison, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you, how you got started in it, how you became an EMT, and the hours that you work? Go right ahead.
1: Okay. Well, I'm a mom of three and I really got started because I was I served tables for about 10 years, and I decided, well, I need to find something that has insurance and benefits and a career. So I started looking into school and just decided that EMT was a quick way to get into a career, which I will be going to paramedic school starting in August, so that takes a little bit longer than EMT school. That's how I got started. I have been with We call it Trods Three Rivers Ambulance Authority here in Fort Wayne for about a year and a half. So that's how I got started, and I work, my hours just recently changed. I work 5.30 p.m. to 5.30 a.m., so that's what my schedule's like.
0: Wow, and and that's with with kids, you're working those hours.
1: Yes, I have a seven-year-old and four-year-old twins.
0: Oh, man, so they really don't care about that third shift, do they?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It works out best for us because... It's almost bedtime, you know, when I'm leaving. Originally, I worked 7.30 to 7.30, so that was a little closer to bedtime, but Mm -hmm. it's getting into bedtime hours, and they're asleep, and then by the time they wake up, I'm home, so.
0: So now, what is the difference? Let our listeners know. What is the difference between a EMT and a paramedic?
1: A paramedic has way, way more responsibility than an EMT does. They're in charge of... All the drugs that are administered, they can start IVs. They perform a lot more life-saving measures than EMTs do. We're basically just like an extra set of hands, an EMT is. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, we do important things, but without a paramedic, um, it would be hard to save a lot of the people that we do. And When I originally started, I thought I would just stay as an EMT, and now that I'm out in the field, I want to be able to do everything possible to save someone or help somebody or provide the most highest level of care that I possibly can.
0: You've only been doing this for a year and a half. Yes. And all of a sudden your world exploded here when this pandemic hit. Yes. (laughs) Kind of tell us a year and a half ago leading up to the pandemic what are the biggest changes you've seen?
1: First of all like when you get into this business, I mean, you're exposed to a lot of things, lots of different, you know, germs, this, that, and the other. Your first year as an EMS, I mean, you're sick the entire year because you're stuck in a little tiny box with sick people and then you go in and out of hospitals. So I've talked to many, many other people in EMS that everybody says, oh, your first year, you're just sick. Like you're just taking in all this stuff. Well, so when the pandemic hit, it was like, we weren't sure how serious it was, you know, like, is this going to wipe us all out? You know, as we're seeing other cities and bigger cities like struggling with staffing because so many people are infected. It's like, okay, what what can we do to protect ourselves? So we started with, and obviously at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a shortage of masks. So we were actually reusing our masks for as long as we possibly could until they were soiled or you know they were proven like oh well this one's ripped so we can't use that one anymore we would just reuse our masks put them in a paper bag when we had somebody that was suspected with covid you would put in put on a hairnet gloves eye goggles a gown they have booties like that you can put over your boots. I never really wore those. I don't bring my boots home from work. I just leave them in my locker at work. So typically when you go in on a call, you just wear some gloves, you know, and now we are walking into people's houses. Basically, we look like we're in hazmat suits almost. And that, that was the biggest difference. And then also, we always clean our trucks very well. But I mean, our trucks are about as sterile as they possibly could ever be now. We wipe down everything after every single suspected COVID patient. I mean, we let it air, like we leave all the doors open and we air it out for 20 minutes and then we spray the entire thing down with heavy duty sanitizer and wipe everything down as possible. We have a bucket of bleach. It's gotten very, very... Just say real, you know, like.
0: So you're still, even prior to the pandemic, you were responding to automobile accidents, heart attacks, and things along those lines, right? Yep. Now, since the pandemic, you're still responding to those things, but you're dressing a lot different. Yes. So you treat everybody like they could possibly have this virus, right?
1: Well, so in the beginning, we did not. You know, we had these series of questions that our dispatchers would ask, and it would be, you know, flagged like, oh, this is possible or suspected. So if it was suspected, you completely gowned up. But, you know, if you're just going in on a fall or something regular, no big deal. You're just going to, you know, go about your normal daily routine. Well, that actually came back to bite me in the bottom. In the beginning of the pandemic, we had one out on a young girl who fell and our dispatch notes said that she couldn't walk. So as we get in there, we're helping her off the ground, getting her back up into the bed. You know, her legs are very weak, she's unable to move, and we start hearing this cough, and about after four or five times of cough, and my partner looked at her and said, well, how long have you had that cough? You know, and she told us what was going on. She had just been in the hospital three days before, and she was actually supposed to be quarantined. Oh, geez. So here we are in a tiny room, with somebody who has all the symptoms, all we have on our gloves. So we were actually off for two weeks after that because at the beginning, you know, it was okay, you're gonna go quarantine because you've been exposed. Well, now we take all the precautions we possibly can to keep ourselves safe, keep other patients safe later on in the night. So we're pretty much gowning up and, you know, masking up on everybody that we possibly can.
0: So you never got any symptoms from that visit?
1: I actually was very sick. Oh, really? I got tested for COVID and it was negative. So I don't know if I had bronchitis or pneumonia or what I had, but I was very, very sick for probably about nine days.
0: Wow. What about your partner?
1: She did not get sick. Hmm. She did not.
0: So again, now this big change has happened. Yeah. You're dressing different, behaving different at work. You're coming home. Your home life has got to be a lot different now too.
1: Oh, yes. So I actually take my clothes off in the garage. I strip down and everything goes in. I have like all my Scots or I guess it's not Scots anymore. My Kroger plastic bags in the garage. My clothes go straight into one of those bags and I seal it up. They go straight to my washing machine, get washed on hot immediately. My boots stay at work. I have wipes in my car that I wipe down everything after I get out from work. I take one of those wipes in and wipe all my door handles on the way in because I'm terrified of bringing it home to my kids. My kids stay with my dad when I'm at work and he's got some, you know, health issues that would, it would be detrimental to him to, you know, catch COVID. Right. So we just try to take as many precautions as we possibly can. And then I go straight to the shower.
0: Okay. And as young as your kids are, do they understand what's going on?
1: So my seven-year-old definitely understands. My four-year-old's, They talk about the virus. A lot of it is like, do you remember before the virus is here when we used to go do this? Not sure they exactly understand what's going on, but my seven-year-old definitely does. She was super happy she didn't have to go back to school. I'm (laughs) like, (laughs) kid, it only gets worse from here. (laughs) First grade is about as easy as it gets, kiddo.
0: (laughs) So did you have to do homework with them uh, during this time?
1: Oh, yes, I did. So on top of being up all night, then I would come home and I wasn't sending them to daycare because the twins go to daycare, but I wasn't sending them because I was, you know, trying to keep them in as much as possible. And so we would, you know, do breakfast and then try to do some of the homework. And then I would take two or three hour nap and then get up and do the rest of the homework and go back to work. Yeah.
0: So the whole virus, the whole work the stress of work i mean this had to have a toll on you right
1: it definitely did for sure it and it's still you know it's overwhelming yesterday i went to dollar general and i'm the only person in there with a mask on you know besides the workers and it's like i just don't think people are understanding the gravity of the situation Hmm. and it's i mean it's definitely mentally exhausting
0: your life has changed a lot
1: definitely Right. Definitely.
0: So when you see these people without a mask on, what is, what's going through your mind? Yeah, you see them, but what are you thinking?
1: I mean, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion and beliefs. I strongly believe, you know, that everybody can believe and think whatever they want. But I would just like people to be able to see into even a couple hours of my day. And that goes for the emergency room workers as well you know, just to see a couple hours of our days to understand, like, this is serious. It's not a joke. This isn't some political scheme as some people are saying it is, or, you know what I mean? This is very real. It's very contagious. And I would just like people to, you know, take it a little bit more seriously. Like, I understand that it's a pain in the butt to wear a mask. I understand it makes you uncomfortable. But at the end of of the day... You're protecting yourself. You're protecting other people. You're protecting other people's loved ones. And if we don't take precautions, it's not going to slow down. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not going to go anywhere. Right. This is just going to be our new normal.
0: So, so you're a big fan of wearing the mask.
1: Yeah, I definitely support wearing the mask. At this point, I don't see what it could hurt. That's my point, you know. And every people that work out in the public, you know, we're forced to wear them. For, I mean, anytime that we go in anywhere, we're forced to wear them. So it's just like, wow, you know, your 20 minute trip to the grocery store, I wish you would wear a mask.
0: On top of still having to do your job, still answering all the calls, you're having to dress totally different and you have to think a lot different than you used to.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, before when we would have somebody with like, say their chief complaint would be difficulty breathing. Well, we have lots of options for that. You know, there's oxygen, you know, the little nasal cannulas that you put in somebody's nose. Mm -hmm or there's the non-rebreather masks or we have, you know, breathing treatments that we can give people. So with COVID-19 coronavirus, those like the non-rebreather and the breathing treatment, if you have the virus, you're putting that airborne into a tiny box, you know, with a medic or a EMT in the back, so you're exposing yourself, you're, you know, basically putting all these aerosol part- particles in the air you know, and our medical director actually came out with new protocols about breathing treatments and when to give them and when not to give them. And uh, we have a thing called a CPAP, which is a mask that fits really tight on your face and it forces air into your lungs. And I'm unfortunately being in such a small place; it's hard to give somebody that treatment and not risk your health and your partner's health.
0: So that, but that risk is there now every every day even more so now right
1: yeah and where a lot of times we would have given a breathing treatment right away a lot of medics are hesitant now you know like okay well we're only five minutes from the hospital we will wait till they're there and they are in a closed room by themselves so that way we're not exposing more people to this
0: so in your year and a half that you've been doing this are you do you feel yourself becoming a better EMT.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I was just having this conversation with my partner a couple nights ago. When I started, I was what they call as green as could be. <laughs> and green means, you know, that yeah. you just have no experience. I mean, I, I knew nothing. You know, you go to class and you think you're ready for the field and then you get out there and you're like, oh my goodness. Like, this is nothing that I expected. I really have no clue what I'm doing. You know, so I was... uh actually pretty nervous at first, you know what I mean? Like I was worried I was going to mess up. I was going to say something dumb. I was, you know, I was, wasn't going to know what I was doing. And as a year and a half has turned around, I'm not bragging on myself at all, but I became a very, very good EMT.
0: Right. right. It, it, it had to happen. It was going to have to happen. because Yes. Yeah, you were thrown into the fire. Now let's say a week into it say a year and a half ago, you would have just started and you would have been in it a week. And all of a sudden this would have hit. Would this made you quit?
1: Mm. That's hard to say. It's possible. It is very, very possible. We have had a few, you know, that had just started, you know, that decided that it wasn't what they wanted to do. It would have been hard to have no experience and come into something like this. That's for sure.
0: Here's the thing, and and this is why we're doing this. We always want to say thank you, but we're saying thank you to you right now because you have done a lot. You have put yourself out there a lot. You put yourself at risk, your family at risk, but you're saving a lot of people also. I mean, you're doing a good thing.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) So, And and we always want to say thank you to that. Now, I'm going to go back and ask you a question. How do you sanitize your personal vehicle when you're driving it from work to home?
1: I've got a roll of, uh, you know, the sanitizer wipes. And whenever I get out, I wipe my seat, my center console, my steering wheel, and all, you know, my handles. And (laughs) I'm actually so paranoid that I wipe the outside of the bottle of the wipes.
0: (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, every morning I get out and I wipe everything down. Then I take a wipe out of the bottle and take it inside with me. So as I'm touching door handles, take off my clothes, and then I sanitize the door handles. I've got a thing, a hand sanitizer in the side of my door in the car. So I use that when I first get in, even though I've washed my hands a thousand times at work.
0: So how's your dad holding up?
1: At first it was very, uh, you know, he was very, very paranoid of, you know, me bringing it home. I actually... For the first month, I did not see my kids, you know, because we thought it was going to be like a, okay, it's going to be here for a couple weeks, and then, you know, it's going to be gone. So my kids actually stayed with my parents for the first two weeks, and then they went to their dad's for two weeks. So I didn't see them for almost an entire month when the pandemic first started. And then gradually we realized, okay, this isn't going away. Mom can't stay away from the kids for six months. That's just not realistic. So then we had to, you know, come up with other measures to just make sure everybody's being as safe as possible.
0: His life has now changed.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he's got some young ones around him. that <laughs> probably could easily be wearing him fan, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yes. And he's doing it for you, uh, which is good. And you got to always thank him for that, too. Oh, I mean,
1: definitely. I am so appreciative of my support system.
0: Who do you talk to? Who do you let go of the stress of the day with because your life's flipped upside down now? Who are you talking to to ease your mind?
1: I talk to my dad a lot. I talk to my mom. She's a respiratory therapist at Parkview. So her and I you know, have a lot to talk about because she you know, does breathing treatments and all that kind of stuff on COVID patients every day. Her and I have a lot to talk about. Um, I've got a couple close friends that work in EMS. One of my really good friends that we actually went to school together and started at trial together. Um, We call each other on our way to work and our way home from work. And we just kind of talk about our day, everything that happened. Sometimes, you know, you see some gruesome things that you just have to let out. That's just kind of what I do, you know.
0: Well, you are sharing it with someone. You're not just bottling it up inside, right?
1: No, I'm a talker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I, I can't keep things in. As soon as something crazy happens, I have to call one of my friends or my mom or, you know, somebody and like, okay, I got to talk about this. I got to tell you what I just saw.
0: Give our listeners just a, a real short version or a real short uh, snippet of you and your partner getting a call, going to a house, and there's a potential that this person may have the virus. What is the conversation like getting up to the house, building up to the house, and, and what are you guys talking about?
1: well we're gonna go in and obviously we you know get out of our truck and we're gonna you know gown up and get all ready and the first thing we're gonna do is we take our monitor in check their oxygen saturation you know because you should be breathing in 93 to 100 percent oxygen typically on somebody that has covid when you listen to their lungs they sound relatively clear You would think that, you know, they're going to sound junky or wheezy. Occasionally, there's some wheezes, but they typically sound very clear. But when you put that, you know, like the little thing, if anybody's been in the hospital or at the doctor, they put that thing on your finger and it reads your O2. And a lot of times, if they are COVID positive, their stats are going to be very low. I've seen them as low as 50% with this, which means people are not getting near enough air. You know, so that's really, we're just kind of talking about gauging the situation and okay if this person isn't breathing we've got to load and go or you know move as fast as we possibly can mm-hmm. what's the closest hospital I mean we always ask people where they want to go but if you are critically ill we're going to urge you to go to the closest facility mm-hmm. so that's just kind of the stuff that we talk about and prepare ourselves to see
0: so there, there's a lot of Preparing for the patient, but then there's that mental preparedness that you have to have. You're preparing yourself mentally for something. Yeah,
1: definitely. And fortunately, when you work with somebody for a long time, like my partner, I had worked with her for 11 months straight. There's a lot of times, unless it's something that I haven't seen, we don't even have to talk on scene. Because you get in a rhythm. You know what they're going to I know what she's going to do next. We kind of bounce questions off of each other. The thing about having a paramedic and a basic EMT partner we think on two different levels so sometimes she will ask some questions and she doesn't think on a basic EMT level like I do so I'll remember oh we need to ask this this and this where you know she's thinking way higher than I am so that's why it's beneficial to have people at different levels because you kind of cover all your bases and like I said a lot of times we don't even have to talk on scene we just know what the other one's gonna do
0: that's a good partner then
1: Yes, it is <laughs>
0: okay with what we've been seeing on the news with the numbers going up What is your concern? What is you and your partner's concern? I mean, there's a numbers are going up because there's more people being tested But now we're finding that the numbers are going up because there's more people going into the hospital. What is your concern?
1: I wouldn't I, it's a hard thing to answer because the numbers are going up but as you said lots and lots more piece, people are being tested You know, it's a lot easier to get tested now than when we first started. I think what we really need to look at is the death numbers. And I know that's kind of a sad thing to talk about, but are the number of deaths, obviously they're going up, but is it the same amount every day? Are we seeing 200 more deaths a week? You know, I think we need to really take a look at those numbers to determine what do we need to do next. Obviously shutting the country down, is detrimental to finances and things like that. But if thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to continue dying, what's our, what's our next option? You know what I mean? It's definitely, it's a hard thing to answer when you think about that. Like, I guess my concern is just, you know, everybody needs to be accountable. I know it's no fun and it's, you know, inconvenient to wear masks and to wipe everything down and, You know, not go do the things that you want to do, but we need to get control of this situation and hopefully see it die out or at least until we have a vaccine or something that's going to help curb, you know, this virus.
0: So where do you see this going? Where do you see it ending?
1: Oh, I have no idea. Honestly, I don't see an end in sight, you know, and that's just my personal opinion. That is not backed by any scientific studies or anything like that. Like, I have no idea. It just seems like it's continuously spreading. And I, I don't know what the answer is.
0: What would you tell your friends? I mean, you, you're talking to your friends, your family members, and you say, hey, start doing this to protect yourself, to protect your family. What do you tell them?
1: Wear your mask, social distance, stop going out to unnecessary places. I know staying home stinks. I know nobody wants to be stuck in their house when it's beautiful out, but there's nothing wrong with sitting on your porch or sitting on your back deck and having dinner rather than going and sitting in a restaurant. I know everybody has things that they like to do. until we see some significant downward spiral of this, I think people need to be more cautious than they are being. Wear your masks, you know, take as much precaution as you possibly can.
0: Because this question was asking me the other day, they said make sure you ask one of them a nurse or somebody what are some of the things you should be doing for yourself as far as what should you be eating drinking exercising whatever what, what do you recommend or do you have any
1: well and obviously having a better immune system is gonna help you fight things off so everybody knows you know vitamin C orange juice eating plenty of veggies and fruits avoiding those fried foods and terrible things for you, you know, just do things to build up your immune system because a better immune system is going to fight off viruses, diseases, everything like that.
0: The listeners out there are wondering, again, they wonder, can I go to the beach or can I go to a swimming pool that has chlorine in it? I mean, I'm outdoors, I'm in the water, can this virus get through the water and get me?
1: That I don't know the answer to, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. I think if you are gonna go do those things, you should social distance while you're doing it. You know, if you go to a beach and it is just overcrowded and you can't stay six feet away from people, then I don't think you should be there. But once again, this is just my opinion. My kids and I aren't going to the pool, to the beach. We went to the splash pad not too long ago, but it was not very busy. I told the kids, you know, we we need to stay as far away from people as possible. You know, and I, I completely understand that it is a pain. It is a pain. I think if you're in a secluded area like a pool and there's a 100 people and you can't stay far away from each other. And unfortunately, you know, if you think about kids in a pool, they're sucking in the water and spitting it out. And I don't know. I don't know if chlorine kills it or not, right. you know, right. but you have a very good chance if chlorine doesn't kill it. Like, OK, well, that kid just had that water in his mouth. So now I'm swimming through it. <laughs>
0: Right <laughs> right. Um, do you are you in favor of having to wear a mask if your kids go back to school that they have to wear a mask?
1: Oh man, that that is a hard question because I feel like would I like to see kids be able to wear masks to protect everyone? Yes, however, I know my children, and I know that it's gonna turn into a slingshot. <laughs> And they're going to try to drink through it. And they're going to, you know, it's going to be on one foot as a, as a jump rope. And, you know, it's going to be used in all different types of manners because that's how children are. Right. And I can't imagine being a teacher. It's like, oh, no, Billy, don't, don't do that with your mask. Oh, no. Oh, no, don't do that with your mask. No, the mask isn't for that. You know, so I, I see both sides of it. I think the kids need to go back to school. I think stopping school is going to be detrimental to kids' education. I can't see waiting for a vaccine, you know, to open schools back up. I think social distancing needs to happen in schools. As much possible cleaning as they possibly can. I don't know, asking five, six, seven, eight-year-olds to wear masks is... It just seems unrealistic Mm -hmm. for them to wear it. You know, I think they're in school six hours. It just seems a little unrealistic.
0: I'm sure our listeners want to know, and I want to know too. Did you consider yourself a good teacher when you had to help your kids with homework?
1: (laughs) absolutely not. I'm a horrible teacher. Thank the Lord Jesus I didn't decide to make that my career because I would have failed epically. My daughter hates sitting down at the table with me. Uh, oh, no, I was horrible.
0: So, so you're in favor of uh, when the vote comes up to give the teachers a raise, they need a raise. Oh,
1: right? they need a double their salary because I couldn't even deal with one kid trying to do it. I can't imagine being in, in a class with 20 kids. <laughs> So, no, jeez. Oh, well, I
0: had to ask you that one, because you're pushing so hard to get the kids back to school. I'm like, okay, there's got to be a reason
1: here. Oh yeah, they need to go. <laughs> oh jeez.
0: Well, here's the thing, Madison. We appreciate the fact that you are where you're at. You're doing the job that you're doing. We really appreciate that. And again, well, thank you, you. You're putting yourself out there, and uh, we appreciate that. You're using all the precautions and uh, all the information that you gave us for our friends and our families. And uh, we, w- we are always praying for you. And now we're going to pray even harder for your dad because, I mean, if your dad's watching some youngsters while you're at, at, uh, at work, <laughs> that's got to be tough. And uh, Yes. And, you know, and you're working third shift. Are you always working third or will you ever get a chance to work on that first shift?
1: Honestly, until my kids are old enough to, like, suffice themselves at home, I can't ever see me working first shift. We're a union-based company, so we we bid to trucks based on seniority. And I bid to a third shift truck because it just seems better for my kids. I can sleep when they're in school, you know, wake up when it's time to pick them up, have, you know, the night times with them till I go to work. And then I'm not gone. You know what I mean? Like, before they get up for school, I'm back. If I worked a first shift truck a lot of those trucks I would be gone before they wake up for school and I wouldn't be getting home till after dinner time. Okay. So that's a lot of responsibility to put on somebody else to get them up for school, get them to school, you know, get them from school, get their homework done, make dinner. So those are I honestly don't see myself switching off of third shift for a long time.
0: Okay. Well, I'm not done. You do what you what is best for <laughs> you and your family. I'm just throwing it yeah. out because I know I work third shift and whoo, it did not work for me. <laughs> That was a hard. I one.
1: love it. Man, I, I love the nightlife. You see a lot of crazy stuff at night.
0: You go right ahead. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> but again, thank you uh Madison very much. Very much for what you do. And make sure you thank your partner even though can you give her name to us? I just want get...
1: to Her name's Tanya.
0: Tanya. Tanya, thank you very much. For you and Madison and you guys are out there on your truck doing what needs to be You call it a truck, don't you?
1: Yeah. We call it a truck.
0: Okay. (laughs) Doing the things that you need to do. And a lot of people appreciate it. And uh, a real final question. Uh, Have there been people showing their appreciation for you guys, doing little things for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. We had tons of restaurants cater in big, you know, lots of food for weeks and weeks on end, just dropping it off at our base off of Hayden Street, you know, making sure that, we had food. And when we go out, you know, if we're getting a soda, sometimes, you know, the gas stations will give it to us for free. You know, there's a lot of that discounts where we, you know, where we eat. And it's, we got that in some places before, but it's definitely, definitely been more prevalent. And then, you know, people just expressing their gratitude also like, Hey, thanks for what you do. We appreciate you. you know, just like you just said, there's been a lot more of that since the beginning of March
0: good good I hope that continues because you guys are still in the fight this thing is not over for our listeners out there if you see an EMT you see a nurse or you see a police officer out there firefighter go up and thank them and if you can do a little thing like uh, Madison just said hey feel free to do it right
1: yep we appreciate everything we don't expect it but we definitely appreciate it
0: and folks again Madison thank you Thank uh, you
1: for having
0: me. uh, Hey, no problem, folks. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will catch you next week on Police Pod Talk. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Jr. or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.